0: Yep, yep, come on, come on, come on. Okay, hey, let's, um, I want you, if you can, just uh, turn your palms upward to Jesus. And I want you to agree with me, okay? Will you agree with me on this? Jesus, crucify our flesh. Don't let flesh interrupt what your spirit wants to do. So, Father, I pray for this group, and I thank you, Jesus, for this day that you've given us, God. And I believe that, that there is repentance going on. I believe there's a change of mind that is happening I believe that you're adjusting, God, our thought processes to think from a kingdom perspective. I think you're liberating us from the tyranny of the flesh so that we can operate in the power of the Holy Spirit. I think, Father, that you're creating an environment that will be a supernatural environment and it will be sustainable. A lot of churches start well, but they don't end well, God, because flesh gets in and all that deals. So God, we are saying today, we really mean that. Me, all of us, God, are saying we really want to crucify the flesh with its lusts and its passions and its desires. We really want to be subject to the Holy Spirit moment by moment by moment. I agree with what Dan said last night, Jesus, from Luke 4, 1 and 14. We don't God, just want to be filled with the Spirit and we don't just want the power of the Spirit. We want to be led by the Spirit moment by moment by moment. So we want to stay in the Spirit. Galatians 5.25 says that we stay, we walk in the Spirit. Literally, we're in alignment with the Spirit. God, I want to be in alignment with you today. Tomorrow's not here, yesterday's over. I got today to stay in alignment with you. Now once again, I ask I ask for what I talked about today, Jesus. kindness glasse, give me God an anointed tongue today, and give us God the ability to have wisdom and revelation. Open our minds, our hearts, our eyes, our inner eyes, so that we see things. But I don't want God just head knowledge. Adjust us today to where we will be different. In Jesus' name, Amen. My goal is to finish 15 minutes early because I want us to minister to each other today, I, in the spirit, I really do, so um, I really want to end, um, so Karen we just, at uh, quarter till, let me know, actually let me know at 20 till, so I can land the plane, <laughs> <laughs> it might be a fast landing, okay, I actually want to start with Luke chapter 10, Luke chapter 10, and then we're going to go to 1 Corinthians 14. And finish up today on the supernatural lifestyle. Is, is, is Papa teaching you some things? Is the Holy Spirit showing you? You know, Holy Spirit's our greatest teacher, John 16, 13, isn't he? He shows us all things, right? Coming things even. Um, it's awesome. John 14, 26, he actually tells us everything Jesus commanded us. That's awesome, isn't it? First John 2, 27 says we really don't need man to teach us. Holy Spirit shows us all things. Isn't that awesome? So we're subject right now to the Holy Spirit. All right. Luke chapter 10, verse 38. Now, as they were traveling along, he entered a village, that's Jesus, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister called Mary who was seated at the Lord's feet listening to his word. I want to tell you that what Mary was doing is a posture, is a lifestyle that you and I are to live from. That word seated right there, if, if you're taking notes or you write in your Bible, circle it because it's the only place in the New Testament that word shows up. It's the only place. And it literally means to be seated against. And she was against the feet of Jesus, but more importantly, she was actively listening to the word. The verb tense listening means she began something but she continued and she was intent on what was coming out of Jesus' mouth. What was coming out of his mouth. John 6.63 says that every word Jesus speaks is life. Every word that Jesus speaks is life. Do you know Jesus not one time spoke in the flesh? Because he only spoke as the Father spoke to him. John 12:49 says he never spoke on his own initiative. He only spoke as the Father spoke to him, which means that Jesus only spoke as the Father spoke, so he spoke in the Spirit. He had life on his words. Yeah, Incidentally, I think all of us need to be that way. What would happen if you never spoke until the Father prompted you? Do you realize that every single one of us are going to be held accountable for a word that's not spoken in life? Jesus says in Matthew chapter 12, 36 and 37, that for every idle word that comes out of our mouth, we'll have to give an account for. The word idle is this word that means barren. It means a word, it's a seed that does not have the capacity to generate life. So it's a barren seed. It's a seed that does not have the quality to produce life. And so we're going to be held accountable for every word that comes out of our mouth that does not produce life. Which means that every single one of us are either speaking in the flesh or speaking in the spirit. If we're speaking in the spirit, our words will have life on them. If we speak in the flesh, then there are going to be death on that. But since we've crucified the flesh and we've all said we want to be subject to the Holy Spirit blowing through us, there's no reason why every one of us cannot speak in the spirit every single moment of every day. Yeah. yeah. Paul says in Ephesians 4, 29, do not let any unwholesome word come out of your mouth. The word unwholesome is a word that means base. It's a word that means septic. It's a poisonous word. Don't let any poisonous word come out of your mouth, but only, Paul says, what is helpful to others that it may benefit those who listen. And then he says, and impart grace. Our mouths are to impart grace. Grace. Grace is not just a happy feeling or just undeserved favor. Grace is actually translated as a divine force. It's power that is executed through us. And so when we speak literally in the Spirit, we speak with grace, and it has the the ability to shape people, to move people, to to create things. It's powerful. Amen. (laughs) Words have power to them. Proverbs 18, 21 says, Your mouth is either life or death. What determines the difference? If you're speaking in the Spirit. How do we speak in the Spirit, Rob? How how do we live speaking in the Spirit, man? Well, I think it has a lot to do with what you're listening to. If you feed your head with CNN... Chances are you're going to have a difficult time speaking life. And the vast majority of churches have become an echo of the culture and not a voice out of heaven. Because we're listening to the wrong thing. And if we're going to become a prophetic culture that I believe so ardently in, it's going to require us to live a life that is positioned in such a way that we can hear Papa speak every single moment of every single day. It requires a slowing. It requires an adjusting of our lifestyle in such a way to where his voice becomes prominent in our life. Wow. And if Jesus did it, we can do it. So what are you, what are you listening to? That's the challenge. See, what, how are you positioned? How, how do you live your life? Mary was at the feet of Jesus, listening to everything coming out of his mouth. And then we know the story, and I have a whole teaching on this um, called "Ministry Out of Intimacy." And um, Mary, Martha was distracted. She was doing whatever. She's not a bad woman, so please don't come up and tell me, well, John 11. I understand all of that. I'm just saying she, she was distracted. She was distracted. She, she was distracted with much ministry. Ministry. Imagine a ministry being a distraction to the voice of Jesus. Anyway. And there's a lot of verses through the Scripture that talks about listening. Like Isaiah 55.3, incline your ear to hear and you know, you read that chapter, and it talks about the power of the word. It talks about how the word does not return void, that the word is effectual. It actually has energy in it. Did you know that? The word has energy in it, right? And it affects things. So like in Ezekiel chapter 37, when, when, when he was to prophesy over the bones, he declared what God spoke to him, and literally bones became a living army. There was power in that. It's just, It's unbelievable. You know, heaven and earth passes away. Not the word, Matthew, Mark thirteen thirty one, right? Grass and flowers fade, Isaiah 40, verse 8. Not the word. <laughs> it's powerful. So I want to hear that and speak that. I want to hear that and speak that. I want to hear that and speak that. I want to be positioned in such a way that I hear every single word. I don't want to miss a prompting. When Dan stood up here this morning and and. and just begin to talk about how he's slowing his life down. It, man that ministers to me, I want to slow my life down too. I told you yesterday that, that there's a lot of octane in this little body. <laughs> there is. <laughs> I, I'm, just, I'm just not even normal. Yeah, I just there's just rocket fuel in me. And but but my I I want to be merry at the feet of Jesus, man. I think you can be high energy but still keep listening. Sometimes he doesn't speak as fast as I want him to, but that's a different story. (laughs) Okay. So understand that what Mary was doing is truly a posture that you can live in. You can live every single day leaning in, hearing the word. You can live every single moment hearing what Jesus says. And if you hear what Jesus says, you can say what he is saying. I, by the way, I'm not saying that CNN and newspapers and all that stuff's wrong. I'm just saying just be careful about filling your heads and hearts with the wrong stuff. Yes. You know what I've discovered? This is interesting. Um, <clears throat> in Matthew 12, uh, Satan was identified with Beelzebub, right? The god of flies and gnats. Do you know that flies and gnats are attracted to one thing? What? Right. Rotten. Death. We had a squirrel that got smashed out by our mailbox. I went out to get my mail, and there's 700 flies just, right? It was sick. They're attracted to death. So if words have either life or death on them, and you walk into the lobby out here... And someone says, "How are you doing?" Well, I'll tell you, my boss just upsets me. He's so I'm just so irritated with him. And you start spewing out words that don't have life on them. You're spewing out death. And if the enemy's attracted to death, your words being spewed out here in the lobby can attract the demonic. And so now you've got a demonic presence feeding on the death words you're saying out there. And then you come in here. Someone says, "How you doing?" Oh, i just I'm, my boss makes me mad, and I'm so mad. I was watching news, and the president's doing this, and our economy sucks. And I'm just going to tell you something, and all that stuff's getting leaked. And the demonic just comes and keeps. Feeding on that stuff. And I think that churches try to have great services, but they can't because the demonic is feeding on the dead words that we've been speaking. That's just a thought. Did I put that in my new workbook called Walking in the Prophetic? That I wish I had, but it's coming out in a couple of weeks or months. I don't know. But it's in there because I think words are so precious. Here's another, by the way, and I know I, we're going to get through. Watch. I, I'm telling you this because I want to challenge you. I want to change your mind. Yes. I loved your message on repentance. I loved your message. I want to change my mind on things today that God is showing me. My mind has been changed these two days. I want to change your mind on this. I am on the longest fast I've ever been on. It's not a food fast. You know what it is? It's a grumble fast. I told my church that I was going to start a fast. I was not going to grumble or complain. No more. Why do I, as a spirit-filled believer, want to utter words that have no life to them? Why do I want to draw the demonic presence into my life? I don't want to grumble. I don't want to complain. I don't want those words coming out of my mouth. Do you know Israel was destroyed by the destroyer because they grumbled? 1 Corinthians 10.10. They were destroyed by the destroyer. I don't want to grumble. In Exodus 13, two spies said, come on, man, let's take this land that God's going to give us. This is ours. God said we can have it. Remember what the other 10 did? It says they spread an ill report. That word ill literally means a poisonous report. And it literally set Israel back 40 years. I wonder if churches get set back because of ill words being spoken about it. I don't want to speak words that are grumbling and complaining. We're, we've been transformed, church. Jesus didn't because he never spoke in the flesh. Because every word he spoke, John six sixty three, was spirit and life. So consider changing your mind. Take a grumble fast. Just stop it. Just stop it. I'm very serious. Just stop. But it's going to require you to adjust your attention to a higher voice. We're going to have to live by the voice. And Mary did. Okay? So now go to 1 Corinthians 14. With that in mind then, Paul says, Pursue love, yet earnestly desire The supernatural influence of the Holy Spirit. (laughs) Yes. But especially, but especially, melon, literally, if you're going to like reach into the basket and pull something out, if you're going to reach in for one manifestation, Paul says, let it be prophecy. So to prophesy, propheteo, the verb means to speak a divine utterance. That's all it means. It's Just to demystify it. It's not hocus pocus. It's not crystal weirdness. It's, not, it's just speaking what you hear Jesus saying. And if you're in a position of intimacy, if you're leaning into the voice, if you're inclining your ear to hear the, to hear the word, then you're going to be able to speak what he is saying. The fact that you're all born again indicates you heard his voice. John 10, 27. Sheep hear the voice. I understand we can increase the familiarity of that. But my point is, is we have heard his voice. And chances are, most of us in this room are hearing his voice. We hear his voice in a position of intimacy. If you hear his voice, you can speak his voice. If you hear his voice, you can speak his voice. You hear his voice... You can speak his voice. That's the essence of prophecy. Amen. Amen. Yes. So help people that if they're not hearing what he's saying now, maybe to get more comfortable with trying to speak what he's saying, say what you know he said. Like if somebody's in a crisis, use what he said in the Bible. Yes. So the best way to start hearing is to get into what he's already said. I remember Chris Valentin one time when he started his school of ministry. People are saying, I want a word. I want a word. I want a word. And so he got up in front of this class, big class. He says, I want you guys to, to get out your pens and your paper. And he says, I'm going to give you a word. He said, there's, there's, this, is a, this is a now word. Come on, everyone get your paper. And they all, and they're looking at Chris Valentin. Ready? He goes, Ready? Read your Bibles. <laughs> because there are some things he's already said. And so, I agree with what Dan said. The best way to start saying what he is saying is to say what he's already said. Get familiar with what's been decreed in the word. Get familiar with what he's already said. Spend time in this right here. And you can trust this. You can. And as you spend time in the written word, I believe he'll trust you with the living word. Does that make sense? Okay. Um, so just a couple of things here. Um, verse 3. The one who prophesies to men speaks edification, exhortation, and consolation. And I was going to breeze through these, but I kind of got checked by the Holy Spirit. So just I want to talk just a, a couple of moments on each of these words. Edification is a compound word that means to build up and to protect. To build up and to protect. It comes from the root word oikos, which means dwelling or house. So a prophetic word can build up this house. But the the second word to academy is the word dome, which is a roof. And that's where we get the word covering. And so a prophetic word, when God speaks a prophetic word, it has the capacity to build a person up and to protect them or to build this house up and to protect them. So I've always said that strong churches are prophetic churches because they're built up and they're protected. It's very interesting. Okay. The second word is exhortation. Exhortation is paraclesis, which is a word for the Holy Spirit. Okay. Now, this is interesting. It means to encourage, to comfort. But as you further study this word, it means to come alongside them and to beckon things that are in them. That's very interesting. So I found that very fascinating and fascinating. Paracletos is the name for the helper, the Holy Spirit. And um, one expositor says that when we speak a prophetic word, we are becoming the conduit for the helper to bring help to that person. The helper is the Holy Spirit. So we are aligning ourselves with the Holy Spirit for the Holy Spirit to flow through us and bring help to that person. Now, I find this is very fascinating, too, And um, Craig has a whole teaching on this, believe you me. But in Psalm 139, verse 16, the Bible says, Your eyes have seen my unformed substance, and in in your book were all written the days that were ordained for my life. So I believe there's a book. I believe the scripture talks about the fact that there's a book of our life. So imagine that, what's your name? Angela, this is Angela's book. This is Angela's book. Her whole life is written in this book, okay? And I'm going to speak a prophetic word to her. God gives me insight to something that is in her book for her life. And so prophecy is not me telling Angela what she's going to do. Prophecy is me shedding light on what God has told her to do. Do you see what I'm saying? Yes. Because I you know prophecy has gotten weird. It has, it's gotten flaky and fleshy. But it's, it's, all it's doing is you're aligning with the Holy Spirit to read something out of God's book that God designed for Angela, and you're shedding light to that. so you're just affirming what God has already decreed. Do, do you just see that? It's beautiful. And so, when it was prophesied over me that my wife and I would be used to redig the wells, I'm not doing something Randy said. I'm doing something that Papa formed in his mama's, my mama's womb to do. I, he, he just shed light on what God called me to do. He was the key that opened the door so I could see. Wow, that's in my book. It's in my book. I wrote this off to the side. You are prophesying something about a person that is something for a person. That God already established um, in that person. Anyway, so that's, that's exhortation. It's like, oh my gosh, I wanna be an exhorter. I wanna speak prophetically into people. I guess I wanna read their book for them. Help shed light to that. Amen. And then the last word consolation. Consolation describes the ability to unravel a mystery, the ability to unravel a mystery. So when you speak prophetically into someone, you are helping unravel what may be a complex situation. They may be in a set of circumstances or up against a situation that seems very disconcerting to them, but prophecy helps bring clarity, helps unravel that mystery and give them direction. Does that make sense? So do you see how profound this is? This is profound. And so with those three words in mind, You can see why verse 5, Paul says, Now I wish that all of you spoke in tongues, but even more that you would prophesy. And then in verse 12, So also, since you are zealous of spiritual, the the supernatural, seek to abound for the edification of the church. Oh, What manifestation edifies the church? I just told you. But watch this. You're going to love this. Listen to what Paul says. Look at verse 24. Are you ready? Chapter 14, verse 24, Corinthians. But if all prophesy... Now put the brakes on to that for a moment. If all prophesy, what would that tell you all are doing? (laughs) Yes. If all are prophesying, all must be listening. Because you can't prophesy unless you're hearing. So you know what that would mean? If all of you are prophesying, you have a prophetic culture because all of you are a bunch of Marys living at the feet of Jesus. I get stoked when I start talking about that because I love being in atmospheres where corporately we're all listening to the voice. We were there last night, weren't we? Corporately. I don't think there were any tire kickers or... Circumference, You know what I'm saying? No one hanging out on the outside, just sniffing it. I, I think everyone was in. Right? Right? But you, listen, you, we've been in environments, you have, where it's like everyone is at the feet. Well, in that kind of environment, all can prophesy. There's a book that was written by a Methodist His name is uh, Terry Takel, and it's called The Presence-Based Church. I love this book. I read this book. He said there's two types of churches, Mary Churches, Martha Churches. Mary Churches are churches that have developed the ability to listen to the voice. So they don't run, they don't have a run-of-the-mill church in the sense that they don't have, it's not program-driven, it's not format-driven, it's spirit-led. Martha Churches live on assumptions. I'm going to meet the guy sometime. I really am. I'm going to meet the guy. I'm going to joke with him. I'm going to say, listen, Terry, God made a mistake. He gave you my revelation, man. That's, I should have written that book. It's a great book. It really is. I want to be a merry church. I want this to be a merry church. I want all you guys to be merry at the feet of Jesus. You young people, you, you just bless me. You realize, look at you. You're just, you're kids. How did you... Jordan, you're just, you're sick. How did you? <laughs> it isn't even bright. I mean, I was just a pimple-faced nose picker at your age. I was like, look at you. <laughs> Maybe you do that, but my point is, <laughs> you listen. Amen. Praise I look at you young kids. The environment, the hunger you have for the voice of Jesus is overwhelming to me. I went home last night I called my wife or, or, or this morning. and we just weeping on the phone. I said, you got to see these young kids. I'm not saying anything about the adults in here. I, I'm just saying, you young kids, you got it. You lean into Jesus. Don't ever get into distraction. Don't become a Martha church. Don't start making assumptions. Don't spinning circles in the kitchen. Don't do things for Jesus because you think it's right. Live out of the voice and do things because you know it's right. Live in the voice. Slow your lives down. This is a fast culture. It is. Things are getting so fast now that now I'm going to my kids and grandkids now. How do you run this iPhone? They're like, oh, Papa. It's like, are you serious? It's fast. Just stay, stay in rhythm with the spirit so you can hear, so you can speak, all of you, prophetically. Man, I want a prophetic culture. But if all prophesy are listening. Okay, now watch this. Look what Paul says, verse 24. But if all prophesy, and an unbeliever or an ungifted man enters. So now here's this prophetic culture. <clears throat> You're all at the feet of Jesus. And an unbeliever. Um, the word unungifted means someone who is unschooled. Literally, it's idiotates. I'm not not being funny, but it's an idiot, meaning they're unknowledgeable to the things of God. They don't know the language. They don't know the lingo. They don't know the vernacular. They don't know when to stand, sing. They don't know what's on. They don't understand anything. They're spiritually illiterate. They're ignorant. So here comes someone who's an ignorant person or an unbeliever that steps in off the street, and they've just walked into a culture of a bunch of people who are at the feet of Jesus. They've not walked into some religious establishment. They've not walked into an enterprise that's filled with a bunch of flesh-driven people. They've walked into a group of young men and women and, and older people who have died to their flesh and are leaning in, clanging their ear, listening to everything that comes out of the mouth of God. That person had to walk into an environment like that. Look what it says. He is convicted by all and called to an account by all. And the secrets of his heart are disclosed and he will fall on his face and worship God, declaring God is certainly among you. Are you serious? Well, that's what the word says. And so I believe that Prophetic cultures have the capacity to be a transformational culture, not so much in the words that we're saying, but in the position of which we're living, because we're so intimate with him that our words then spoken to that person that walks in are life-giving, and something is revealed in them, and they're like, oh my God, amen, isn't that beautiful? Man, I just, in my mind, I just I just picture unbelievers, ungifted people walking into this atmosphere and, and this church speaking in the spirit to them, and they just they just fall down. Oh, God's here, God's here, God's here, God's here, God's here, God's here, God's here. And they wouldn't even have the lingo. They wouldn't even know what to say. They would just go, oh. But they would worship the one that just flowed out of you because you're in a position to hear what he has to say to them. Let it be so, God. My heart bleeds for this. My heart bleeds for this. It really does. It just bleeds for this kind of an atmosphere. There's nothing corny about this. Now, you all can prophesy, verse 31. (laughs) You can, because you all can hear. Verse 39, desire earnestly to prophesy. Now, you know what's interesting about this? This just isn't within the four walls of this building. Do you realize how life-transforming this can be when you go to Starbucks or Walmart? Do, do, Do you know the capacity of transformation that can take place in the marketplace when you Start speaking in the Spirit out there because the Spirit just isn't reserved for in here. If you walk in the Spirit, you can hear the Spirit. And the next time you go to Walmart and you're standing there eye to eye to the clerk behind the counter, Papa can give you something. I was buying some gluten-free cookies when I was at Dan's house. He didn't want any. I wanted some. So Debbie, his wife, and my wife went to, I think Price Chopper, whatever, to go get some cookies I'm standing in line, and the little girl has a thing that says, Rita, right there, Rita, her little name tag, and I look at her, and I say, Rita, God just instantly blasted prophetic words into me, and I said, Rita, your family's in disarray, but take heart, God is bringing restoration and renewal to your home. She started to cry. She just says, oh, my God, she started to cry. Debbie reached across the counter and took her hand. And we just prayed a 30-second prayer. Now, listen, it was quiet and discreet. You understand what I'm saying. When you speak prophetically to people out in public, be cool. Don't be loud or audacious. We are to be fruit, not nuts. (laughs) Be cool. Don't cause a scene. So I just spoke, oh, Jesus, I thank you for reading. I thank you for the restoration that's happening in this precious family. And I bless you in Jesus' name, amen. Simple as that. There's a prophetic word given to a woman that probably changed her life and now her family. Yes. Sure. You guys can do that every place you go. My mama is 87 years old. And she now has a little cane. And she gets along kind of slow. You ought to see my mama when she goes to Walmart. I had my mama with me two years ago in Pittsburgh. I was doing a meeting, and my mama, 87 years old, comes over like this and gets down on her feet like this. It takes her 20 minutes, and she gets down there, and she puts her hands on the left foot of this woman and starts to cry, oh, God, will you heal this foot? And the woman was going to have surgery on that foot two weeks from that moment. So there's no age limit to this young and old, are subject to living in a posture of intimacy to hear Papa speak, and you can flow with life-giving words and release that to people that you come in contact with all over the place. Now, i got to tell you, I have lost count because I now have my own stories. I was on the road two years ago, about this time with Dan, and I was listening to him to share stories, and and my mind got changed. I got convicted. You know why? Because the Lord says, you can preach this, you're not living this. I didn't have my own stories. I had maybe one or two. This is embarrassing to tell you. I was scared. I could be bold with you, but I couldn't be bold at Starbucks. And you know what's bad? It's when the Holy Spirit gives you a word and you dumb it down or don't move on that. And then you say, oh, but I want to be prophetic. It's not going to work. I'm not shaming you. I'm just saying we want to move on the impulse of the word. I was fearful. And so in a meeting, when we, so I traveled with him for three weeks, uh, uh, like a year and a half ago. is was the beginning of 16. And the very first night of the service, you remember we were at Chad Klein's service. He puts the mic down and he says, who wants to confess? It was a smaller environment and so we could get through. and It wouldn't take a whole lot of time. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, you need to confess your fear. And flesh rose up. Well, now, you're, you're a, you've been doing this. You're teach, you're, you teach. Know, you're Rob. God didn't give a rip about that. He didn't say Dr. Rob to me. He said, you are pride-filled, and you need to confess your fear now. And I grabbed the mic, and I said, I'm scared to speak. I'm scared. I want fear broken off of me, and I want boldness to fill my heart. Do you know it was simple as I put the mic down? I remember Dan just said amen. And God did something in me. I can't explain it. He shifted something in me and gave me this tenacious boldness to now I have lost count. It's not about how many people I minister to. It's how obedient I'm being to the Spirit of God. Airports and airplanes and hotel lobbies and it's just amazing. Now I have my own stories because Papa has helped me to live in a position of intimacy and flow out of that everywhere I go. You can do that. You can do that. I think you can turn a city around one life at a time. Jesus did. In John four, when he spoke to a woman at the well, hey, how about a drink of water? Do you think he was really thirsty or was he just prophetically fishing? Graham Cook says, begin conversations with people and let the Holy Spirit get you out of them. (laughs) (laughs) Ooh, that's brilliant. So I just start talking to people and watch what Holy Spirit will do. Um, Two quick stories from the Old Covenant. Check this out. Joseph Joseph was a man who was able to hear and speak into the heart of a leader and change the nation. Daniel was a man who was able to hear and spoke into the heart of a leader and changed the nation. I want to talk about this because this is in my workbook and this is new rev for me because last year, 7, 16, I was praying, God, I want, I want prophetic words for people. I want information, knowledge. I want to be able to speak into people's heart. And here's what the Lord said, Rob, that'll happen on two accounts. Number one, never can you defile yourself. And number two, you must value people the way I value them. Number one, you cannot defile yourself, ever. I was walking into Kroger's, and I was buying some, some stuff for my wife. She, she was going to be ordained in April, and her family was coming in. She goes, I need to go to Kroger and get some stuff. I go to Kroger. I get out of my car. I start walking, and instantly, when I came out from the parking lot, I closed my door, started walking this way. There was a girl with a pair of shorts on. And instant, I saw these shorts, and just... just I didn't stare, but understand, I've seen more cotton and aspirin bottles than what was on that, yeah. right? Now, she was bending over the trunk, putting her groceries in. Boom. I could have sneaked a look. You know what I did? I said, Papa, I'm not going to defile myself. I looked at the sky. I looked at the floor. I looked, I looked everywhere. I'm not doing this. I'm just telling you, I wasn't going to abuse that woman Devalue her by looking at her. That's dishonoring to her. More importantly, dishonoring to my Jesus. Come on. So I looked away, I walked into the store, and I felt the favor of the Lord say, Well done. Well, he put his arms around me, well, I felt him literally say, Oh, that's my boy. And I was so filled with this vibrancy of Jesus all over me. When I got to the counter, I saw the woman and God gave me a word of knowledge and I said, what's going on with your legs? She says, I gotta have surgery. I says, no, let's just pray for healing. And I began to grab her hand and I spoke to her. I would have lost the opportunity if I would have taken a cheap thrill and looked at that girl. Don't defile yourself. Ever. Do you know what? Daniel did not defile himself. Joseph maintained integrity. Two guys that did not devalue themselves, they maintained integrity. Therefore, they were in a posture to hear God's voice. Both guys valued the king even though they disagreed with him. Do you think Nebuchadnezzar was a nice dude? Are you serious, Pharaoh? Come on. You can value people you disagree with. My point is this. If we're going to change nations, we're going to have to live in such a way that we do not defile our lives. We're going to have to live in a pornotopia culture and still walk in purity. It's possible. It is, has to happen. But also, we need to value people, especially prominent people who we would rather disdain. If God's going to trust us to get with leaders, say, for example, when Obama was in office, I heard a lot of chatter in the church that he was the Antichrist. I want to say, you prophesy that stuff over people, they might become what you decree. Wouldn't it be different if we said, Papa, will I value that man. I may disagree with him, but I value him as a human being Please give me words that I could speak into that man's heart. And God might use some of you to put you in a political position where you could speak into the hearts of leaders to change a nation. If that happened in the Old Testament, can it not happen in the New Covenant now with the Holy Spirit with us all the time? Does that make sense? (sighs) Come on, man. Right? So I believe in this business of the prophetic culture. In and out of the church. Amen. Amen Amen and amen.